Uh, we're in a series of lessons. This is our fourth installment of this series. We've kind of taken a break. Uh, Pastor Aaron was here last week, and then we had another break earlier on. Uh, but we're, we're on this series of lessons called Where Miracles Live, Where Miracles Live. If you haven't been with us, I want to encourage you, go to the podcast, go online, listen to it, get kind of caught up where we are. Uh, I come from an environment, I come from a, a, a spiritual background where I believe in signs, wonders, and miracles. I fully believe it. I believe Mark chapter 16 that Jesus said, you'll lay hands on the sick, they recover. I believe it. Jesus said, told them that these signs will follow them that believe. I believe all that. Maybe you don't. I do. And it's interesting. I believe it and I've seen it. So, so you've got to believe it. You're required to believe something sometimes for, uh, if you're ever going to see anything. But we really haven't leaned on kind of like the miracles and the healing and all that kind of thing. We're really kind of going a little bit different direction, so maybe we can kind of put a, a little bit more practicality to some things. And so if you haven't been with us, let me just kind of get you caught up with three things we've talked about in three weeks previously. We said first week we talked about miracles. There, there's a miracle in your mouth. There's a miracle in your mouth. We talked about the power of your words, the power of confession. Nobody ever gets saved. No, nobody ever has a relationship with God unless you believe in your heart. And you confess or say something with your mouth. And then a miracle of salvation can happen. We talked about, after that, we talked about there's a miracle in your heart called compassion. Called compassion. That when, when, when you move with compassion in your heart, like the good Samaritan did with that guy that was broken and beaten by the side of the road, God showed up. We found out there was five miracles in Jesus' life that started with Jesus having compassion. So compassion is a gateway to you seeing a miracle, not only in your life, but in somebody else's life as well. We, we said, last time I was with you, we talked about that there's a miracle in your feet. Nothing is ever going to happen unless you actually get up off the couch and go do something. You're never going to see God, God working in your life unless you put action to what you say or what you believe. Come on, you've got to get off the couch. Come on, somebody. Got to put those chips down. Come on, somebody. Uh, no. I'm talking to me. Uh, so, so, so we talked about that. There's, there's got to be action in your life. There's got to be a corresponding action. Faith is always an action. And so you always got to ask yourself, how can I act on the Word of God? We see that over and over and over in, in, in the Bible. Every story that there was ever something that happened, almost nine times out of ten, it was always an action accompanied with that miracle actually happening. Today... I want to kind of go into uh, just this final installment again. Uh, this will be maybe new to some of you, and to some of you it won't be. So we'll be either planting some seed, the Bible talks about, or watering some seed. Uh, but if you're new here, uh, listen, I hope you come back, because here's what we're going to do today. We want to talk about this. There's a miracle uh, in, in your money. There's a miracle in your money. Um, uh, when it comes to church, when it comes to money, when it, we, we've all seen crazy stuff, everybody in the room. We've seen abuses. We've seen good stuff, bad, ugly. We, we, we've seen it all. If you've been around long enough, you've seen it in politics. You've seen it in the government. We've seen it everywhere. And so it's not new that, he, he, that anything crazy would happen inside the church because we, we're just normal people. But, but at the same time, just because I've seen stuff I don't agree with doesn't mean I, I'm going to disagree with what God says in his word. And so I've got to get my head wrapped around. I've got to see some things that God wants to do in my life and your life. And I've got to believe God uh, from what he tells me in the word of God that, that my money, and we'll talk about my money or your money a little bit today, uh, that God can actually use what I have and I can see a miracle. I can see God do something. I, I, if I could say it you know, this way, I, I could see God stretch something that was unstretchable. Um, uh, when it comes to money and it comes to the Bible, if you don't know this, is kind of interesting. Uh, Jesus, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Jesus, the, the Gospels where Jesus is teaching in red letters. 
if you, if you count, all depends on how you count them. There's about 36 to 38 parables that Jesus taught in, in, the, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and 16, 16 of, those, of those 35 to 38 parables, 16 of them deal with possessions, deal with money, deal with stuff, deal with stewarding, managing resources. So when it comes to Jesus, who I believe was God and is God, and him coming to the earth... He said, this thing is going to affect everybody, and I'm going to talk about it because God wants to talk to you about what you deal with consistently, which is called money and resources and my goodness in your life and how I'm going to help you and how I'm going to bless you and how I'm going to encourage you, how I'm going to get you from where you're at to where I want you to get, how I can work in every economy and every nationality, whether you're living in Africa or Asia or the United States, it's all the same. The, the, the demographics don't water down the Word of God. The, the, the generation doesn't water down the Word of God. The expectation and whatever you're dealing with doesn't water down the Word of God. So uh, here, here's what I know. If, if, if I'm ever going to see or you're ever going to see a miracle in the money that you have and what God's entrusted to you, I am going to and you're going to have to get out of the world economy and you're going to have to somehow tap into God's economy. I'm going to have to get out of the world thinking, and I'm going to have to get into God thinking. I'm going to have to get out of the world expectation, and I'm going to have to get into God expectation. Um, and I see this over and over and over in, in the Bible, in the Word of God. That's why I just want to bring it to you. And, and, and again, we talk about it sort of kind of regularly. I'll probably in a couple months or something bring another teaching for a couple weeks on finances and stuff just because it's, we've got to deal with it all over and over. We've got to talk about budget. We've got to talk about greed. We've got to talk about lust with money. We've got to talk about looking what somebody else has and I, got, I want it. We've got to talk about this stuff because if we're not just open with it and talk about what God says, then it'll be in the dark and we'll be in secret and, and we'll not know what to expect and, and we'll think maybe we're a little bit different or we're a little bit weird because we're having these problems or difficulties or situations when God says, no, let me give you an answer and it's found in the Word of God. Come on. How many of y'all believe the Word of God this morning? Yeah? Come on. I'm, man, that makes me feel good today. I love what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 55. He says this, speaking for God, he says, my thoughts aren't your thoughts and my ways aren't your ways. That's what he says. God's saying, listen, nation of Israel, y'all thinking crazy, and you're thinking crazy, and then you're doing crazy. But I've always kind of flipped that in my mind, that if I can think like God, and I can act like God, I'll start having more of God working in my life. How I think, and how I act, and how I, I can cooperate with Him more and more. Uh, and so I just want to encourage you, uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at two scriptures. We're going to, I'm going to read one scripture at length from the Old Testament. I encourage you to, to do that. In fact, oh, if you've got a Bible or a phone, why don't you look at that to 1 Kings 17. Turn there real quick. We'll have the scriptures on the screen behind me. We're going to look at two scriptures in the Old Testament. It's really interesting that both of these deal with a prophet. And both of these are very similar in what happens. So we're going to look at a scripture over in the book of Proverbs. And then we're going to go to Jesus' life. We're going to see what Jesus said about something. And then we're going to look in the New Testament. We're going to look in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So we got a lot to cover. So come on, y'all ready to listen? Come on, ready to go? Come on, let's just, let, let, let's just, let's just read 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings 17, let's start reading in verse number 8. There's a famine in the land. Actually, uh, Elijah, the prophet, he's the prophet. He's God's spokesman in the land at the time. 
and God tells him to, to you know, go to this brook, and the scriptures prior, prior, and God was going to sustain him by the brook, and God was actually, again, crazy story when you read it, God brought a crow or a raven in twice a day and brought him bread and meat. Come on, come on, he had outback steakhouse with nice fluffy buns twice a day. Now, it's crazy that a raven didn't need it, right? Kind of crazy because they're carnivorous and that, 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 that's what they do. But, but he would drink from the brook and he would eat from this bird that came twice a day. But then something crazy happened. The Bible says since there's a famine, and when there's a famine, uh, there's, it's a desert area, desert time. The, the sun, there's no rain. God said there's not going to be rain for three and a half years. And, and so everything's drying up. You know, all, all the produce is, is, is dying. The animals are getting skinnier. It, it, it's just not happening. And so the, the brook actually dried up. And it's interesting in our life, in your life, I think sometimes we think when the brook dries up, that God's dried up. But when the brook dries up in your life, God's always got a word. Come on, somebody. God's always got another word. And here was the word that came to Elijah again. Pick it up. Verse 8. The word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon. Dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow to provide for you. So he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little cup of water that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have any bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. How many know that's not a real good vision? And Elijah said to her, verse 13, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Come on, somebody say, that's a miracle right there. That's a miracle right there. Um, guys, if left to herself, this woman would have died. If left to herself. Her vision for her life was, I'm getting a couple of sticks, I've got a little oil and a little flour in the bin. She told him, I'm going to make a little cake for me and my son, we're going to eat it, and we're going to die. If Elijah didn't show up, this woman, like there were probably hundreds of women just like this in the land, died during this famine. But somehow, some way, God leads Elijah to this woman, and there is this divine intersection between the goodness of God, Elijah, and what a woman has or what she thinks she doesn't have uh, and her response to it. Her response to the Word of God determined what she received from God. 
Now, isn't it interesting if Elijah said to her, you know, if she says, I've just got a little cake and I've got a little oil and I'm going to eat and die. What would have happened if Elijah said, okay, and walked away? She would have died. She would have died. You've got to take the whole story intact to read what Elijah did, what she did, and then what God did. And so there's consistency in your and my life that I see that when we read the Word of God, don't disconnect from what God wants to do in you and through you and for you, that your faith in connecting with the will of God then releases what really we could say God has in His hand and what God wants to do. Um, let me just kind of just look on the screen real quick. I've got about four thoughts uh, that I think are important for us about this story today. Number one is that the woman had to overcome fear. She overcame fear. Uh, when Elijah comes to her, just like, I, I mean, c- can you imagine? And I've said this many times when I've talked about this story. If, if CNN or Fox News or MSNBC or whoever else would have been there, BBC News would have been there, and they're documenting this story, and they're following Elijah around from place to place, and, and the brook dried up, and they're going over, and they're, they're following him with the woman, and all of a sudden, the prophet, the man of God, the spokesman of God, we, we could say the Pope or whoever you want to call him, uh, all of a sudden says to a widow woman, a, a widow woman on food stamps, a widow woman who hadn't got nothing else, who is getting ready to die, and says, give something to me first. Wow, it would have been blasted over social media. He would have been outraged. He would have been ostracized. It would have been end over for Elijah. So God must be thinking a little different than the news media thinks. God must be thinking a little different about what he wants to do in natural resources to help help, help you and me. The, The woman had to overcome fear because the very first thing that Elijah tells her when he tells her, make me a cake first, he says, fear not. Fear not. And so when it comes to your and my, the finances, the resources, the job that God's given you, and then we read in the Word of God what God wants us to do with managing resources and giving and being generous and being liberal and tithing and giving offerings and helping the poor and doing whatever God's told us in His Word we can do, the first thing you're going to have to overcome is fear. I can do what God tells me I can do. you, you got to get that point. Uh, the second thing that she did is that she responded in faith. She responded in faith. She actually, uh, as we talked before, she actually had to do what the prophet said she could do, which was, which was uh, uh, respond. You have to act on this. You have to act. You can't just agree with it. You can't, oh, okay, if I give, if I give, I understand, you're going to do something for me, and I agree with it. No, 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 it's not just agreeing with it. She, faith has got to be an act. So, so I, 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 I can believe that God provides my needs. I, I can believe that God will work a miracle where I don't figure everything out. I can believe it, but never, ever see it in my life unless I actually put corresponding action to what he says in his word concerning resources. I've got to act on it. I've got to act on it. What we find out after that is that she gave what she had first. She gave what she had first. Uh, that was the word. Again, what we know from the Old Testament is that anytime you see in the Old Testament uh, the, the word first or first fruits, it's always talking about the tithe. So this was the type of tithe. This was the type of, I'm going to give this 
this, this little flour, this little oil, and I'm going to make it into bread. I'm going to make it into a tortilla, whatever she did. Uh, I'm going to make it. And I'm, I'm not going to eat it. Me, me and my son, th- this is all we got. And, and we're getting ready to die, but, 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 but I'm going to give it first. I'm going to give it first. This is, this is the tie. This is, I'm going to, I'm going to give something to God first because God's asking for something. So I'm, I'm believing that God's not done with me. If I give to God first, somehow, some way, God's going to show up, show up in my life. And what we find out forth was the miracle is that God proved himself, God proved himself faithful. Uh, the scripture actually says, it, 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 maybe you didn't pick it up on, on it, but it says after it, it was all said and done, she and he and her household ate and were satisfied for the entire famine. No, no, no. She, who, who are these people? She, that's the woman. Uh, he, who, who, who's he? And who's her household? She and he and her household. Household? What do you mean household? It's her and a little boy. She's a widow. That's her household. She, a widow woman, and he, Elijah, and her household, her boy, were sustained. God did something in her that enlarged her giving that now he's providing for not only her and her son, she's able to provide for somebody else, the prophet Elijah. Crazy story. Second Kings 4, don't turn there, please, because we don't have any scripture for it. I just want to tell you the story. Similar story. Elijah's got a protege. His name is Elisha. And it's a crazy story because it's very similar to what we just read. Uh, uh, Elijah, uh, Elisha, excuse me, uh, is, is being a prophet. Elijah's already dead. He's gone to heaven. So he's prophesying across the nation. He's God's spokesman. And the story says in 2 Kings chapter 4 that there was a widow woman who was married to one of the sons of the prophets. So there was like a prophet school and training that Elisha was, was leading. And, and, and she comes to Elisha. And she says, your servant, my husband, is now dead. And the creditor is now coming to take away my two sons. My two sons. I need help. Help me. Help me. Now what's crazy about this story, guys, is that here was a man who served God his whole life. Here was a man who was a spokesman for God, this son of the prophet, a prophet in training, giving his life to further the message of God. Loving, evidently, we don't know, but we can assume he was a loving, uh, faithful husband, a, a good father to the sons, a provider. Uh, but somehow, some way, he was a terrible money manager. You can love Jesus with all your heart, and you can have everything in your life repossessed. And it's not God's will, it's just you're awful with money. You're terrible with money. Every credit card that comes, you fill out, and you max it to the extent. And they come asking you, I, I, was, on this, I was on this thing, I've got a credit card, I think it's got a max of $15,000. $15, and so I, 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 I paid some stuff the other, the other day, we hardly ever use credit, but, but I paid it off, and, 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 and it said on there, on this one thing, that, if, that if, I, if I paid the minimum, if I paid the minimum balance, it would take you like three years to pay it off. And I'm going, well, there you go, right there. There you go right there. Elisha asks this woman, 
when she tells him the predicament she's in, very similar to this other woman we just read, he says to her, what do you have in the house? Some of y'all remember the story. The woman says, nothing. That's her first response. Nothing. I don't have anything. I don't have anything. But she said, I don't have anything but a jar of oil. Jar of oil. And most people, when we talk about finances, we talk about what God wants to do, we, 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 people think, well, no, if, if, if the church is going to go on, if, 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 people, if, if we're going to reach people, it's just, it's just those rich people that are going to do it. Uh, no, it, it's all kinds of people that are going to do it. Uh, her, her first response was, I, I, I don't have anything. I, I don't have. If that's your first response to giving, you're never going to be tapping into what God wants you to do and never see miracles. I don't have, so I can't. I don't have. I don't have. I don't have. I, don't, I just don't have anything. The word that God gave Elisha and God, and then he gave her was this. You and your sons, your two sons, go to all your neighbors and borrow empty vessels. Borrow empty vessels. And that jar that you have that's got some oil in it, pour the oil out into all those empty vessels. So we don't know again. We don't know how long it took. We don't know how many doors they knocked down. We don't even know how many vessels they had. But they went to everywhere they got, gathered every vessel, put them all in the house. You can think, had them on tables, had them on floor. And the word was, take that little jar, whatever you've got, a pitcher, a half a pitcher, a liter, we don't know, and just pour it in the jars. Pour it in the jars. And the Bible says this, guys. Every jar they brought in, empty jar, was filled. Every empty jar was filled. When they ran out of vessels to pour the oil into, the miracle stopped. So I believe this. When you stop pouring, the oil stops flowing. You say, I'm done. I'm not giving. I'm done. Or even, 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 cap, even some of you, all, like me, I'm just telling you honestly, Kimberly and I, we tithe, we give offerings, we support missionaries, we give to the poor, we're generous, we, you, know, uh, you know, we're generous. I just, we had a meeting this past, last month with our financial planner, and I just asked him, I said, hey, here, here, here's my giving, here's what we do, you know my income, you deal with people all the time, what do you think? And he goes, you're like way too crazy generous compared to what he sees. So I'm not telling you that to look at me. I'm saying that we are consistently looking for places to pour. Because when we say we're capped, there's no more, the oil stops flowing. Some of you have never tithed in your life. Some of you have never said, God, I'm going I'm to trust you. And so you, you could never see how God could keep pouring through you. And so you're capped. A widow woman in 1 Kings 17, a widow woman with two sons who says, the creditor is coming to take my sons as payment. And God, God had a plan. She says, you know, Elijah tells her, now sell the oil, sell the oil, pay the debt, and live, live on the rest. And, and again, she, she, she was able to do that. So uh, what, what I see from this again, guys, is that the miracle began, the miracle began with what she already had. She just didn't see it. The miracle of what God does in our life is from what we already have. 
I've got to think differently about the resources that God's given me right now. I'm not necessarily saying you've you got to go out and, and ha- have a garage sale and I, all that. Maybe you do, uh, but, but, but start the process going, whatever you need. But, but God works in a natural realm with what we currently have, bringing favor with what we don't even think that God could actually work with. How, how, could, this, how, how could this actually happen? I wish, I wish God would just give me something so I can give. And God says, I wish you'd give me something so I can show you something you don't have. Thanks for the golf clap. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. I know, I, I know when it comes to finances, and I know we get quiet in church, and I get it, man. I get it. I, I get it. But if we don't get this right, and if Jesus taught 16 parables out of 35 or 38, I, we're missing something. And, and I don't know about you, but I want to see God work in every realm of my life, and this realm as well. Come on. How about y'all? Y'all, y'all want to see that as well? Look real quick to a no, uh, proverb, an uh, Old Testament, uh, the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3. Let's look at this in verse 9 and 10. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Look what it says. Come on, let's read this out loud. Can we do it? Right there it is. Come on, one, two, three, read. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. That'd be a good place to say amen right there, huh? Amen. I want that. Come on, how many of you want that working in your life? Yeah? Come on. Okay, four of you. Good. All right, the rest of us, you must be doing okay. Uh, so so, so this, this, this scripture is so uh, cornerstone to our life. It's, it's amazing. But, but notice what it says. Again, this is in the Old Testament. This is how God was dealing with the nation of Israel. And, and, and so, so the principle of possession, the, the principle of possessions is this. God is the owner and you are the manager. This is the principle of possessions. God is the owner and you're the manager. When you you got to understand this. If, if you don't understand this, you're going to miss the whole thing. You, you, you don't own anything. God gives you. God gives you. God gives you. The, the parable in, in Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus talks about the parable of the talents. That's not somebody singing, somebody administrating, somebody playing the piano, or somebody teaching talent. No, no, no. The talent was money. It was money. It was money. And God says the manager gave one guy five, one guy two, and one guy one. Nobody got a choice. I see this. Nobody got a choice what the manager or God gave. You did not get a choice with the gift, talent, and ability God put inside you. Some of you have managed it phenomenally well. Can I say this? Maybe some of you have managed it phenomenally poorly. And you've got to see it. that What I've got is what God's given me. And now the manager, the owner, went away, the Bible says, for a long time. And he came back and the guy that had five doubled it. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. The guy that had two doubled it. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. The guy that had one hit it. And he was ostracized and he was shamed and he was put out of the house because he didn't manage the resources God gave him. Honor the Lord with your possessions. You are not an owner. You are a manager. So it's not my money. Here, look, look at me now. It's our money. Tell me what you want to do with your money. <laughs> and I can find what he says he wants to do with his money in the Bible. In the Bible. 
So the question that we find, honor the Lord with your possessions, and, and with the first fruits, there, there's that word again, that first fruits of all your increase. Uh, so, so the question we'd have to ask her is this, is, are, are your precious, or we could say it this way, I guess a statement, that your possessions are to bring honor to the Lord. Honor the Lord with your possessions. My possessions. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord with the house. Honor the Lord with the car. Honor the Lord with clothes. Honor, honor the Lord with the money you gave me. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. This is all yours. This is all yours. I'm going to honor you. I want to take care of it. I want to manage it correctly. So the question would have to be, does any, does any of your money honor the Lord and his work in the earth? Does any of your money honor the Lord and his work in the earth? Huge question. It's all mine. What do you mean? If I'm going to honor the Lord with my possessions and with the first fruits, then what do I have that's honoring God? It's a huge question. You've got to answer that. Uh, again, first fruits in, in the Bible talk about the top 10%. It's not any 10% called the tithe. It's, the tithe isn't a, isn't a natural word. It's a God word. It's, it's, it's a Bible word. And, and God says, honor me. Honor me with, the, with your possessions and with the first fruits, the, the tithe, the top 10% of your income. And, and so the thought is, with a lot of people, is that I'll give to God after I pay mortgage and pay rent and pay the car payment and, and get some food at Costco and, and pay the SDG&E and the cable bill. And, and after I, you know, you know I, I put for gas. And, and, I, and then, then if I got anything left over, I'll, I'll give God five bucks or whatever. That, that's not what it says. It says, honor God with the top, the top. Why? Because just like the widow woman, you've got to believe God in his word that he's going to do something with the rest. It's called faith. It's, it's just called faith. You're never going to get away from it. You're never going to get away from it. So here's the thought, guys, is that you possess it. You possess this money. You possess it, again, but, but he owns it. You possess it, but he owns it. So what you do with this determines what happens with the rest. So, so, so what you do with, with, with your money, what you do as you honor God or dishonor God. And so I, I just see it this way. If I don't honor God, if I don't tap into what God says about money, then I'm just going to live through life. I'm going to live through life like everybody else who doesn't know God. I'm going to scratch. I'm going to claw. I'm going to beg. I'm going to steal. I'm going to save. I'm going to try to do the best I can. But I'm not going to have anything supernatural working in my life where I say, there was God right there. Look at God showed up right there. Look at over, God showed up again over there. Where I'm going to go through life and it's just going to be me and my grit and, my, and my, maybe my common sense and, and trying to figure some things out. But, but if I tap into God, I'm going to have to have some rest in my life. I'm going to see God show up in a big way. Come on, somebody say amen. Help me out this morning. Would you do that? Let's read. We read two in the Old Testament. We read Proverbs. Let's read Jesus' life. Let's read Jesus' life with a guy named Peter. Let's read it from the Message Bible, Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Once he was standing on the shore of Genesaret, this is Jesus, the crowd was pushing on him to hear, uh, hear better the word of the Lord. He noticed two boats tied up. The fishermen had just left them and were out scrubbing their nets. He climbed into the boat that was Simon's and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Sitting there, using the boat for a pulpit, he talked the crowd. When he had finished teaching, he said to Simon, this is Simon Peter, push out into the deep water, let down your nets out for a catch. Simon said, Master, we've been fishing hard all night and haven't caught even a minnow. But if you say so, I'll let out the nets. It was no sooner than done. A huge haul of fish straining the nets past capacity. They waved to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They filled both boats, nearly swamping them 
with a catch. Come on, that's a miracle. Wouldn't you say that's a miracle? Uh, let's just kind of look at this thing naturally, the process of this miracle. Let's just kind of got some points on the screen for you. Uh, hopefully you, 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 can, you can think with me here. Is that, is that number one, Peter gave Jesus his boat. He gave Jesus his boat. Now, now, now let me, I wrote that down, but let me just kind of in the middle of the night, I kind of, man, in the middle of the night I was praying and just kind of this, this first thought jumping at me. And I'm kind of like going, I, I wrote it down for you because I believe it to be true, but I got to add this to it because it's not totally true. There were two boats on the shore. The crowd is all, I've been to this spot. I've been to this spot at Sea of Galilee. The crowd is on the mountainside, thronging Jesus. And, and he sees two boats and, 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 and he knows that boat's Peter's. Jesus just knows it. Jesus gets up in Peter's boat. It's on the shore. It's not in the water. It's pulled, you've seen them. They pull the boats up on the, uh, on the sand. And he gets into Peter's boat. Jesus got in his boat. And says, if I'm going to preach these guys, thrust me out a little bit. But listen to me. I used to always think, this is my mind, that Jesus got in Pete's boat and Pete kind of like pushed Jesus out with a little rope or something. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says Peter got in the boat with Jesus. Um, can I, I may just say this, not, not kind of go crazy here. I believe in a lot of your lives today, through preaching this word of God, Jesus is trying to get up in your boat. He's trying to get up in your boat. He says, Jesus talking. I'm trying to reach the world. I'm trying to help all kind of people that don't know who I am. And I'm going to use you. But I need to get up in your boat in every area of your life. In your marriage, with your kids, with your job, with your money. I'm getting in your boat. And if you'll give me your boat, whew, your best days are days ahead. Your best days are days ahead. So, 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 so Peter gave Jesus his boat. What we find out is that Jesus just after the fact, Jesus just wants to bless Peter. Jesus wants to bless him. So what's God want? God's not, God's not trying to hurt me. God's not trying to minimize me. God's not trying to cause my bank account to go down. He wants to bless me. He's trying to help me. Jesus told Peter exactly what to do. Launch out into the deep. Let down your nets. He told him exactly what to do. The Word of God tells me exactly what to do to partner with God. Tells me exactly what to do. It didn't make sense to Peter. Come on, the stories. It didn't make sense to him. Didn't make sense to him. I could see G. I could see Peter thinking now, Jesus, we are professional fishermen. You are a carpenter and you're a preacher. You don't know this business. And remember what he said? We we fished all night. We caught nothing. The Sea of Galilee is a clear lake. The only way you catch fish is at night. You don't fish during the day. They see the net. You don't know what you're talking about. But 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 he he obeyed him anyway. Peter obeyed Jesus anyway, and he, and he threw out that net. And then, of course, lastly, you know, the miracle happened. We all want the miracle, but I don't think we want the process. God, God, give me, give me, give me, give me. I need some rent money. I need a new job. God, I need, I need to send the kids to school. God, I need some shoes. God, God. And maybe God's saying, would you let me in your boat? And show you how to live a higher way. Would you partner with me? Would you partner with me? All right, come on, one more. 
Y'all doing good. Come on, one more. Y'all ready for a New Testament scripture? Come on, one more. One more, one more. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We've looked in the Old Testament, two women. We've looked in the Proverbs, honor the Lord. We, we've looked at Jesus' life here. And, and we'll pick this up maybe again in a couple weeks or months or something. We'll look at some more stuff because I think we just need to. But, but look at this now. This is the Apostle Paul writing to a church. What I've done is I've, I've written this or included this with the Amplified Bible. If you don't know the Amplified Bible, it's a Bible translation that just gives you more words. It explains a bunch of words. It's Amplified. It's like what somebody said. This is the women's translation since it's more words. <laughs> all right, all right. We didn't get any buy-in this morning. That's all right. Here we go. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Read it with me. Look at this now. Remember this. Come on, somebody. Remember. 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 Evidently, we, we could forget this. We could forget this. Remember this. Look at this now. He who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously, that blessings may come to someone, will also reap generously and with blessings. Uh, again, a little more words than, than normal, uh, but, but he who sows, the first part, it says, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly. Notice, sparingly the amount, grudgingly the attitude. Sows, this whole chapter, chapter 8 and chapter 9, is talking nothing but about money. Paul, going to a church, talking to them about what happened in another church and gathering an offering to bring to somebody else. And so he's talking about sowing. He's talking about sowing. Maybe that's not a normal term we actually say and think about, but in that term time, sowing was very prevalent in, in seed sowing, etc., farmers and the culture and agriculture. It, 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 but, but let me just encourage you with this, and I really believe strongly about this, is that when Jesus talked about the sower sows the word, the sower, he says, sows the word. That, that when you give your finances to spreading the gospel and the impact of the word of God, not only at church but around, you're, you're activating the miraculous supply of God. The sower sows the word, Jesus says. And Paul says, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you sow grudgingly, you're going to reap grudgingly. So, so... I'm in charge of what I receive because I'm in charge of what I can sow. Who in their right mind, who in their right mind would go to a farmer on a certain plot of land and get mad at his harvest when he's tilled the whole land and planted it? And go to another man that's got the same one-acre plot and he only tilled half of it and planted half of it. What would you say to the man that only planted half? You got what you sowed. That's the analogy, guys. That's the analogy. You are in charge of releasing in your hand what God releases from his hand. That's what it says. I didn't write it. I'm just reporting Verse 7, let each one give, come on, say each one. Moms, dads, rich, poor, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Latino, single, married, mortgage, rent, kids in college, no kids in college, 
on a fixed income, no fixed income. Business owner, no business owner. Hourly wage employee, salary wage employee. Let each one give as he's made up his own mind, purpose in his heart. Not reluctantly, sorrowfully, or under compulsion. Not arm twisting, not belly aching, not looking at somebody with a funny eye. Notice what God says. God loves, he takes pleasure in, he prizes above other things, he's unwilling to abandon or do without, a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. Your heart's got to be there. So he says, if I'll sow sparingly, I'll reap sparingly. If I sow generously, I'll reap generously. And I've got to make up my mind. I've got to make up my mind what to give, where to give, how to do it. I'm going to make up my mind. I'm going to follow your word. I'm going to, I'm going to tithe. I'm going to give offerings. But I'm going to make up my mind. I'm going to be generous. My heart's going to be in it. Uh, you do realize you only give to what you love. Verse 8. And God is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing come to you in abundance. So that you may always, under all circumstances and whatever the need, be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support, and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Come on, somebody say amen, amen, amen. Uh, uh, we, we, after you give, you get a, you get a, and God is able, and God is able. After I sow, and God is able, and God is able, and God is able to make what? All grace, all grace. Every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance. How? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how. That's what he said. Uh, years ago, I, I heard this, and uh, man, this is probably 25 years ago, I heard somebody say this. And it's always stuck with me based on this scripture. Is that sufficiency is about your needs being met. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. And one translation just says you be sufficient in all things. And have an abundance for every good work. Sufficiency is about your needs being met. Abundance is about other people's needs being met. I'm sufficient. I mean, you know, my truck's paid for. I don't need a new truck. Could I get a new truck? Yeah. Kimberly's car's paid for. I don't, okay. It's a 2012 Honda. It's great. Got like 57,000 miles on it. Why do I need a new car? They keep sending me information. They want me to buy a new car. Come on, you get those things in the mail? Right? I could get one. I just don't want one. Don't want one. I'm sufficient. Sufficient. I'm sufficient. Sufficiency is about your needs being met. Now I'm going to free myself from the love of money so that I can be more generous. I can be more generous. And then Paul writes this from, first, from Psalms 112. He says, as is written in verse 9, He, the benevolent person, scatters abroad. That's that term again. Scatters or sows abroad. He gives to the poor. His deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence are going on and enduring forever. And here it is again, verse 10. And God who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating, will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and love or charity. He says God's going to provide for you. 
What's God going to provide? Two things is what it says. Here's what it says. God gives you both, both seed to sow and bread to eat. Guys, this is the key right here. If you can see this, you will free up your money to be used in the kingdom of God. If you'll see this. God doesn't give you. Listen, it's not either or. It's both and. God gives me seed to sow. Number one, I've got to make up my mind. I'm not a consumer. I am a seed sower. I'm going to sow my finances, number one, to the purposes of God and the expansion of His kingdom in the church and through whatever else I'm doing, giving to missionaries, giving to the poor, whatever, whatever you've got on your heart to do, that I'm going to sow seed. I can, I can sow seed, listen, and I can have bread to eat. That's what flipped out the woman there in 1 Kings 17. When Elijah says, when she says, I've just got a little, jar, a little oil, a little flour. I'm, I'm gathering a couple sticks and me and my son, we're going to make a little bread and we're going to die. And Elijah says, give to me first. Put God first. Give it to him first and I will bless the rest. I'll give you seed to sow and bread to eat. Not where, what am I going to do? I'm, I'm not going to be able to. I'm not, I'm not, I won't be able to make it. No, no, no. You will be able to make it. You will. You will. God will show you how to make it. Maybe there's a, maybe there's, maybe there's a ramp up. Maybe, maybe you look at your life and, and man, you need to get, go through Dave Ramsey financial peace you know, curriculum and, and, and get, get your budget and, and get some stuff saved and, and, and work out spending and work out, you know, get back in, in check. Uh, there'll be maybe a ramp up for you. But you get to the place in your life where you say, God, I can see that you provided for me and all grace is abounding toward me in this area of finances. And you're going to take care of me, regardless of the economy, who's president or not. Build a wall, don't build a wall. I ain't fighting about nothing. I'm going to trust you, and you are going to provide for me because I'm going to honor you. Can somebody in the room say amen and amen? Come on, say it like you believe it. There's a miracle in my money. Can you say that? There's a miracle in my money. Come on, say it again. There's a miracle. There's a miracle in my money. Father God, we just pray. Come on, bow your head. Close your eyes. Father, we give you... Uh, This day, we give you this word. Father, we're asking you to help all of us in this area of finances and resources. Many of us in the room are just like this widow woman. Some things in our life have gone sideways. We don't know how we got to where we're at. Some other people might be in a season of of great abundance and great increase. And, uh, Father, we could be like that guy with the five and things are happening, multiplying. Father God, we, we, we want to follow you. We want to follow your word. We want to follow your precepts. So, Father, I pray that everybody in the room, me included, that we wouldn't just tap into the natural economy of, uh, of, of investing. And that's wise, Father. We know it. Mutual funds and 401Ks and, and stocks and bonds and, and real estate and insurance. Father, we know that, that, that that's wise. That, that's prudent. We know that. But, Father, that we would tap into your laws and your ways and that we would honor you, honor you with our possessions and with the first fruits of all of our increase. And you said our barns would be filled with plenty and we'd have newness and freshness in our life. You want your people to increase. You want it. You want it. You're a good, loving, heavenly father. 
And so, Father, we're asking you to help us think in line, think in line with you. Help us manage our, the resources that you've given us, that we realize that we're not owners, we're managers. Help us, oh God, we pray. Come on, just 60 more seconds with your head bowed, your eyes closed. Come on, no one looking around. Give everyone the right to privacy. Whether you've been here before many times or maybe this is your first time, we always give everybody a, a chance to respond to the message of salvation at the end of the service. So what we say is that this is probably the most holy time in the service. The question you have to answer that...